You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it in the first place. To me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So again, I think I've said this before in the same interview, I think uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the truth seekers out there. I have a couple of special guests on with me this morning to help me navigate this morning's discussion question. Uh, one of our queens of intellect will be joining us a little later in the show. As most know, I don't like to, in a sense, do any of our our deep dialogues or questions on race, sex, and culture without, in a sense, a woman's perspective. But fortunate enough, um, our guest, um, I have a uh, new first time and a returning guest. And we'll start with the queen for her first time to the show, um, Dr. Laura. Trina Elsa, thank you, Queen, for being on with us this morning. Before we let the cat out the bag on the actual discussion question, if you will, say hello to the truth seekers and give them a little bit of your background. Okay. Um, hello, everyone, and thanks for having me, Montoya. My name's Laura Turner Essel. Um, I am trained as a counseling psychologist and um, for the past few years, though, have been mostly working in psychology research and teaching um, on the West Coast, and also offering coaching and, and consulting for black parents and families, which is really where my heart is, and um, also a mom of four awesome young people and wife for almost 20 years to an incredible man, so that's me. Hey, I love it. Great background for this morning's discussion question. Uh, we also have, again, a returning guest, Dr. Gerald Hessel, a.k.a. Dr. G., Thank you, Dr. G, for getting on with us this morning. If you will, King, say hello to Dr. Laura, as we'll refer her today, as well as to the truth seekers, and give them a little bit of your background, as it's pretty extensive in this field of psychology as well. Go ahead, King. Thanks for being with us. Yes, thank you for uh, the invitation. Hello, Dr. Laura. How are you? Good, good. And to the listeners, well, my name is Dr. Gerald Hassel, yes, and um 
I'm a trained clinical psychologist. I've been in the field for about 30 years and done a lot of things from A to Z. So my focus um, really has been on black family, black men in particular, uh, and I've expanded that focus to black women as well. So my client base is um, black men and women and also adolescents. And so um, the topic of the day is very, very um True to me and very, very certain, you know, something that I've focused on for many years, how do we overcome this battle um, that is being fought on multiple fronts? And so I'm looking forward to the conversation and discussion. I'm also a father, uh, an author, and have a book called Impact of Father Absence on African-American Boys. And uh, so I'm just excited to be a part of this conversation, ongoing conversation. Thank you. Well, absolutely glad to have both of you with us. And we'll go ahead and open up for those if you're a first-time listener. Again, my name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. So we like to do our show in the form of a question. And the concept is, in a sense, taking the Socratic method. If you ask the right questions, eventually you'll get to the right answers. So this morning's discussion question, mental health, how can you win the war inside? Again, that's mental health. How can you win the war inside? And it is a battle that we all must take, you know, take upon ourselves, if you will, and some understand it to be such, and maybe some are not as aware. But either way, I'm glad to have both of our esteemed guests with extensive backgrounds um, in the field of psychology because, again, this is, in a sense, a battle that we often have inside of our heads. Uh, but before we get too deep into the psychology of it, if you will, uh, we're going to go back to you. Um, one of you has something in the background, just so you know, just letting you know is you can hear it on the air. Um, so you may have to, if, you, if, it, if you're having to move, it's not a problem, but just try to mute yourself. And then mute when I ask for you to, to speak, just so that we don't hear it on the air, just throwing it out. All right, but with that said, um, I'll start with you, Dr. Laura. And, again, before we go too deep, I always start the show this way. When you heard the question worded exactly the way that it was worded, can you recall what your first thought was when I called you to say, hey, can you help me with this show? Just your first initial thought without going too in-depth. Um. Yeah, honestly, my first thought was, why is it a war? Why would it be a war? And if it's a war, who's the enemy? And if we win that war, who, who's the victor? Who wins in that situation and who loses if we're at war with ourselves? I like it. I like it. I like it. Same thing to you, Dr. G. We're going to go to a quick break right after this. Uh, but if you will, what was your first initial thought? Um, as you know, as you um, for highlight before I say this real quick, um, I brought you on because um, you know we have a mental dialogue mastermind, and you were kind of led that mastermind of self mastery. So I felt like it equated specifically in that area. So that's why I particularly wanted you to be on this show. So thank you again for being with us. But when you heard the question worded that way, mental health, how can you win the war inside? What was your first initial thought? Uh, my first initial thought was. Interesting, um, you know the topic, and then I also ask the question of um, who is the enemy and who is fighting. You know, so I think that's very important. I think Dr. Laura also spoke on that briefly as well. It's like who is the enemy, and so that was, you know, what came to my mind. So if we're in this battle against ourselves. Who is the enemy, and where did it come from, and how many? Different things have been recognized as a part of this war. So it came to 
No, absolutely. And so I'll highlight this, and this so hap- this happens so often anytime I'm prepared for a show. And so uh, this is a show that um, some people, and I'll, I'll share this with the audience as well. But for for example, my followers or those who are in a sense members of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, which you'll hear more about later in the show. Uh, but for those, a lot of times I'll survey various questions that I'm thinking about handling again on race, sex, and culture, and mental health, mental dialogue, as we always say, if we can improve the conversation inside of your own head, you would be better, therefore the community would be better. But as I was preparing to do this show, um, it was selected a couple of weeks ago by our listeners and followers, if you will, and this week, um, I don't know if either of you saw the Michael Beasley um, cut on a podcast called The Pivot, Um, and just to give a little more context, uh, if you're familiar with the podcast, I Am Athlete, which got very popular over the last couple of years, The Pivot was a couple of the brothers that were on that show. They broke away and kind of created their own show. And this week, as, again, already knowing that I was going to pick this show, there was kind of a, 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 a cut by Michael Beasley on their show where the brother literally breaks down on their show and a show where they were they were planning on talking about his basketball career. He's out of basketball now, for those that don't know, Michael Beasley, um, top recruit out of Kansas State University, spent a number of years in the NBA. And so while they were planning to just do a conversation about his career, it turned into almost a therapy session live on their session. And so, again, fell into my lap. And I highlighted the fact that that happened this week. So some people probably think the show was planned because of that happening. When the reality it was the reverse. We planned this show, and so as so often happens on this show, things happen within the universe that just literally fit into our show. So I just wanted to highlight that. We're going to go to this break, if you will, uh, Dr. Laura and Dr. G. We'll start with you, Dr. Laura. Coming out of, we'll have a, a commercial, and then out of the commercial, I'm going to play a cut from the movie Revolver. I don't know if either of you have ever seen it. I actually hope you haven't seen it because I want you to listen to this cut and listen closely. Pull out of it anything that interests you and try to relate it to today's show. So we're going to make this a little work for you guys, but y'all are psychologists so y'all can handle it. So, again, we're going to go to a commercial, listen to the cut, and relate it to the show as best best as possible, even though you're going to kind of be – in the dark on what what, what I'm going to be playing. But I think y'all can pull this off and you'll see how it fits into the show. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Are you intimidated by money? Well, this is a question most people never think to ask themselves. But when forced to think about it, many people realize they have unrecognized fears that truly affect how they deal with money. If you want to learn more about money and the fears that keep you from prosperity, Join us for Making Money Matter Mondays, where money meets mental health with personal finance coach Ashley Thomas and psychotherapist Dr. Katrina Pitt. Every second Monday of the month, find out if you're intimidated by money and what to do about it. To receive a link to this free Zoom event, please DM the Making Money Matter or the Mental Dialogue Instagram pages or contact 404-604-9477. All the success stories that we see in traders, there are countless others, thousands, even millions of others of unsuccessful people who were wiped out. Again, that money had to come from somewhere. These are the first questions that keep you in the game because, again, what trading is not is not a game. Trading is 
a practice is art and science in a way that if you do it correctly, you can make money. This course is designed to help you as a trader, as a young, burgeoning trader, or if you've had some experience and maybe some difficulties in trading, to understand the elements that are involved in what makes trading as hard and competitive and hopefully see some of the success that you probably thought that you would have in the first place. For more information on Blacks Academy, look them up on YouTube, Blacks Academy. That's B-L-A-X-E Academy. I'm not doing that. Get out of this, Jake. The formula's the same, but where does it stop, Mr. Green? Fuck does he know about the formula? Where does this game stop? What are you doing, Jake? He's playing head games with you again. Is it me that's playing head games with you, Mr. Green? You've heard that voice for so long, you believe it to be you. You believe it to be your best friend. They should believe their opponent to be their best friend. Where's the best place an opponent should hide? In the very last place you would ever look. And if the opponent is smart... He replaces victim within an environment that he can control. The bigger the environment, the easier the control. Gradually, the victim will play by the rules he's told to play by. And he will be controlled by those rules. What is the first rule of any game, Mr. Green? The only way to get smarter is by playing a smarter opponent. The art is for the opponent to feed pieces to the victim, to make them believe they took those pieces. Because you're smarter, and I'm dumber. And he does this by repeating one simple question. Small question that drives all success. What's in it for me? So the opponent simply distracts their victim by getting them consumed with their own consumption. So that gradually he will hang himself. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, special guest this morning, Dr. Laura Turner-Elsa, as well as Dr. Gerald Hassel, better known as Dr. G, and I call Dr. Laura the amazing Dr. Laura. So let me make sure I highlight her properly and address her properly as she gives us your thoughts on, again, what can you pull out of that cut and relate it to today's discussion question, mental health, how can you win the war inside? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good pop quiz. <laughs> and I, um, yeah, I would need some more context. I have no idea um, what that, what was going on. I was trying to picture as I listened to that conversation, trying to picture um, where they were going with that. But okay. I'm, I'm still processing that. And I got you. And so let me let me see if I can pinpoint you and help you. And I might go to Doctor G. So it wasn't for you to okay. process what you heard. It was anything out of it that stood out in reference to a concept of having a war inside of your head. And if there's anything uh-huh. that stood out, anything that stood out, not what did you, not not to explain what you heard, anything that. Stood well, out. what I, I mean, what stood out to me, I think, was just the discussion of strategy, um, and. You know, that that clearly they're having a conversation about 
about deception, about strategy, and about the ways that we can get kind of turned around and tricked into, um, you know, helping to defeat ourselves. Now, fair enough. Any thoughts from you, Dr. G? Again, this is a pop quiz. I'm challenging you. Yeah. But again, yeah. it was just to pull something out of it, not figure out what the – not what, what the, maybe, not, maybe I didn't make that clear. It's just anything that you right. can pull out of it and relate it to today's show. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for me, I'm focusing on the person who's asking the question. And how did that person get to that point to even understand that that is the question to be asked? And so what we, what we can glean from that and understand from that is that consciousness, awareness, self-awareness is the first step. And even understanding that, sh- that there is a voice that's been planted in you that is not your true authentic self, that you are in a war and a battle. Because if you, if you don't think that you're in the war, if you're not conscious of it, then you have no way of understanding exactly what's going on. So the person who asked the question had to go through the process of becoming conscious and aware. So that's, that's really what I kind of take from that. And then also the very important question, which is really um, at the root of everything, uh, is what's in it for me? for me? Because that's the question that we really kind of, when we peel back the onion, that's the question that we're all asking, and that's where our motivation and our, our drive comes from. It's like, what's in it for me? So that's a very basic, fundamental human question. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's that's what I take from that. No, absolutely. Um, because to a degree, what you're hearing, and maybe I'll give you a little more context, and Dr. Lloyd, you can come back in here with it. Uh, but, yeah, that question alone, like, for the most part, as Dr. G just said, it's a human driver. What's in it for me? Whether we're sometimes whether we're conscious of it or not, to a degree, uh, in a lot of cases, a lot of things that we do, ultimately that is part of it. And what's in it for me could even sometimes be um, I get a good feeling from helping someone else. So that's still what's in it for me. But when you understand it's a it, it, in a sense that that question kind of drives in a sense, everything that we strive to, to a, to a degree, if that is the case, sometimes unaware of how even the drive, or if you heard, remember this one part from the play, that, that the enemy, in a sense, can take our consumption and turn it on ourselves. So it's almost like the thing that drives you without a level of awareness can end up turning on you and becoming your enemy. So just throwing that out, again, mental health, how can you win the war inside? And so hopefully that context allows you to jump in a little more, Dr. Laura, but any thoughts about what myself or Dr. G had to say? Um, Yeah, I I guess I appreciate both of um, your perspectives on that. And I don't know how much it relates to, um, to the clip, but, what both of you just said made me think about, um, you know, something that I strongly believe when it comes to mental health, which is just that we are, we are never really our own greatest enemies. Um, what we are and what we can be a lot of times is really misguided and ill-informed or, um, as Dr. G just said, just really unaware, not have a lot of self-awareness. And so we move towards things that we think will meet our needs or address, um, you know, the needs that we have, and we end up gravitating towards things that do the opposite and that actually end up um, hurting us or, you know, um, 
compromising our values. And so I think that we have a lot of aspects to ourselves that um, that sometimes we can kind of deem them enemies or bad aspects of ourselves, things that we feel ashamed about or areas that we feel weak in, and we can think that we need to be hard on ourselves and attack those things. We kind of name them as enemies within, but they're not necessarily that. They're often things that we've developed, mechanisms we've developed to try and get our needs met that end up working against us. And so being able to to see them for what they are and, um, you know, accept them and then make commitments towards working in a different way to really um, work on our own behalf and get our needs met in a healthy way um, is is what I try to guide people towards. But, um, yeah, because you were, you know, just thinking about this idea of having things in us that aren't really us, but that are not really our true selves, but that kind of take over and become the way we move in the world ultimately doesn't you know, meet, like serve our best interests. If you will, Dr. G, again, you've been doing this work for a long time. Can you provide maybe some specifics of what what this looks like? Um, even with, you know, in a sense with um, Dr. Laura, she chooses in a sense to say, in a sense, it's not an enemy, if you will. Um, some of us may consider that battle within ourselves because at the end of the day, um, for the most part, I would I would suggest that most people have a desire to be better, if you will. But sometimes, in trying to be better, uh, we, we sometimes we may focus on our failures, and it it really affects how we see ourselves. And so sometimes, even what we may project to the world, um, you know, in the mirror at home, we may not see even what we project or sometimes the world sees us better than we see ourselves due to how, what we're saying to ourselves inside of our heads. So again, I respect that, um, that she doesn't refer to that necessarily as the enemy, but if you could just maybe provide some specifics to what that may look and feel like for somebody listening and people that you've been able to help kind of navigate that process to, in a sense, defeat that quote unquote enemy within yeah, um, I agree with what Dr. Love is saying, and, and I'm trying to speak to this point. Um, you know, when we think about the educational system and how it is a system that denies the true self, it doesn't evaluate or assess its students and their true gifts and how to manifest those. It is a system that externalizes validation. It's quantifiable, either you're A or B or you're 100 or 90. And so even from a very young age, we're socialized to seek external validation to deny ourselves and who we are and our gifts. We're taught to um, fit in, to assimilate. And so, 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 so the education in Carter G. Woodson talked about this very, you know, very clearly, is that for us as people of color, as African-American people, um, the very process of what is called and misdefined as education puts us in a battle with ourselves oftentimes, right? And so, so for myself, like I say that, 
I succeeded in spite of my education and not because of it. And so even from the early grades of kindergarten to first grade, we can see children who are in this battle, enlisted and enrolled in this battle um, because of how society defines education and how people of color should fit into that society. So um, we're seeing images that don't validate us, that don't affirm who we are, um, that don't lift up our self-esteem and our confidence. And so the battlefronts can be on multiple different dimensions. One of it is education, right, where we're miseducated to hate ourselves and to uh, glorify the enemy, so to speak, right? Uh, and, And so I think this is when we are placed on the battlefield in the early ages of school and education. And so then what becomes the task? So when, when education is weaponized and we're miseducated, then we have to use the tools of the oppressor to re-educate ourselves, right? So, so, so for me and for you, uh, Montoya, and for Dr. Laura, is that we have to um, take the initiative um, by using the tools that we have going through that system to seek out the correct information. And we have been on a lifelong journey to re-educate ourselves with information that validates who we are, right? that tells the truth about the history of who we are. Right? So part of the battlefront is on the educational side. Right? And so when we speak about when the question is, what is it that we can do? is, yes, once we have the ability to extract information, we have to go on our own quest to find the correct information and re-educate ourselves. The other other battlefront, I I would say, is um, that often shows up in mental health is um, can be how food has been weaponized. And so clients oftentimes could be thinking that they're experiencing mental health issues, and part of that could be due to the toxicity that is built up in their body from eating the incorrect foods, the foods that, that deplete their energy, that, um, you know, becomes um, something that um, mimics uh, anxiety, depression. Right, so... Another battlefront is detoxing from uh, some of the food and the additives, the preservatives, the chemicals that mimic um, clinical symptoms. And so let me ask you this, if you will, Dr. G. So, so now I can respect that that's a, 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 a maybe uh, an, an option and people that need to look at it when they're experiencing it. Um, I'm wanting to kind of discuss the people who are actually experiencing it, though. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not the food. So, so in discussing people that are experiencing, um, you know, anxiety or depression or various things and how often I'm assuming in, in, in both of you have to tell me and you're helping people or whatever, that there's a process to get someone to understand uh, that quote unquote, if you will, that voice in their head to even being aware of that that's not them, that that voice that creates a lot of the things that they may, that they're actually experiencing. So again, for the people that are actually experiencing that, that's the dialogue I'm focused on, if we will. 
Yeah, and, and so again, I would say that it's on multiple fronts. So, um, for me, we can we can put this in the context, and I'll show that the law can relate to this and speak to it. We can put it in, we put it in the context of the ego, right? So, this is a mental construct that is constructed through society, is constructed through family experience. All of that it becomes a voice in our head that's not our true authentic self, right? And so from a vibrational level, um, you know, oftentimes this, this voice in our head, which vacillates between suspiciousness and viciousness, right? I mean, it is completely a destructive self-construct, right, that we think is our true authentic self. So, you know, oftentimes with, with my clients, I'm trying to give them an objective perspective to one, tune into their body to see and understand and become conscious of the discord that this voice is causing, right? It's producing um, um, anxiety that becomes very difficult to manage and control. It's extracting your energy, you're feeling fatigued because you're in this constant battle of being judgmental, being hypocritical. Um, you're turning depression, is, is anger turned inward, so your anger angry, but you're not able to um, articulate and express that in a healthy way, and you repress or you turn that anger inward. And, and so this voice is to become conscious and aware of it, right? That, that it's, it's, right. It's, and let me do this real quick, Dr. G. Um, Dr. G. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Laura, I need to catch her real quick. She has to go real quick. Um, Queen, if you wanted to give us a quick thought, and we'll get you back when you come back on. Thank you for kind of sneaking and getting here on me. If there's anything you want to say before you got to go, uh, let me let you say it right quick, um, and then we'll get you back when you get back on in the second hour. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Thank you. And sorry, I have to jump off for a second. Um, but yeah, I love what Dr. G was just was just getting into. Um, I'll just say that, you know, I agree. And in, in addition to um, you know, us as, as young people not really getting a true scope of our history and all that. Um, what happens for a lot of us, too, is um, we are shamed. We are made to feel ashamed of aspects of ourselves, um, things mm-hmm. about us that we're told are just not right, not acceptable, not good enough, inadequate. Um, and as young people, we internalize that, and we could get those messages from anywhere. He mentioned school. It can also come from family, from religion, from the environment you live in, from media. It can come from a lot of different places. And so we, we get all that, we take it in, and then what we start doing is we start shutting down or hiding, rejecting certain parts of ourselves. And in my work, um, as a therapist, I use a lot of what um, – we would term internal family systems, which is just a a particular perspective or technique where you identify parts of yourself that maybe you've hidden from the world that you've kind of been yourself and you start getting reacquainted with those aspects of your yourself and you start accepting and trying to figure out what is this part of me trying to um, accomplish? You know, why is it here? So instead of, you know, shutting it out, but I think, you know, even as a, a coach, a lot of times what I end up working with, especially young people on, but adults too, is just self-compassion, self-acceptance, and learning to treat ourselves, you know, with love. And that word self-love is like a buzzword that gets thrown around a lot, but there's actual specific practices um, that we have to do to, uh, you know, show ourselves the same kind of 
empathy and compassion that we would want, you know, to to show somebody that we truly cared about. And so we have to um, learn how to be that way with ourselves and to really protect ourselves from toxic influences that are going to try to convince us that there's something wrong with us. And even if we have things that we need to change or that we want to change, we do that from a place of, you know, focus on our strengths, not focused on our pathologies. And we, so when you talk about anxiety and some of the ways that that shame can manifest itself clinically, like with depression, anxiety, panic attacks, things like that, um, and some of the traumas that we've experienced too, how those can manifest themselves clinically. For me, it's all wrapped up in, you know, how are we taking our experience and understanding ourselves and accepting ourselves as we are and then learning how to work with ourselves from a place of love, not from a place of, you know, adding on more blame and shame and, and, and dysfunction. No, nah, thank you for that. I know you got to go, Queen, but, yeah, we look forward to hearing. Yeah, and I'll um, catch you um, later. Yep, I'll yep, be back. Yep, yep. <laughs> no, nah, absolutely. Yeah, we definitely want to hear how to walk through that process because I think more of us need to hear it. So thank you so much for those thoughts, Queen. My pleasure. All right, y'all. We're going to go into a cut from Michael Beasley. As again, I just mentioned, this fell into our lap um, this week. I'm about to bring on the Queens of Intellect member, Elisa Word, as well. So she'll be giving her um, us her thoughts um, on this cut as well. So Dr. G, if you'll tune in. Famous last time, if you will. Now, this is obviously not from a movie. This is actual um, just audio, and it's like different cuts that happen throughout that show. But, again, just pick out anything that stands out. Um, and Because what, what you're definitely going to hear is this brother is definitely battling having a war inside of himself. And so I'll be interested in what stands out for you as well as getting Elisa's thoughts as she comes in and joins us um, after this cut. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hearing sirens every day, like gunshots, and being homeless, and like, when I say getting evicted, I don't mean it's like this little baby in Miami where my give you 30 days to get out my shit, and then you don't get 30 days, you get that out. Like, this is going through. That's baby shit. I'm talking about coming home and your living room set on the on 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 lawn outside. You yeah. hear what I'm saying? I'm talking about my mother ain't play. I don't get If your brain falling out, that homework ain't done, she going to whip your goddamn ass. You dig what I'm saying? So living room set outside, you, we doing homework and you dig what I'm saying? I'm talking about yeah. that again. At first, it was like family, family, family. But then when I got there, like, everybody was wanting, wanting they check back. Right. Yeah. You dig what I'm saying? Everybody everybody you thought loved you just loved what you could do. I don't know nobody that ain't stole from me, period. Like, period. From You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody except for my kids stole from me. And every step of the way, I asked for help. Bro, how this, how that? I'm talking about this person. I don't drop names. I ain't into making my story about nobody else. I don't want nobody name into whatever I got going on. You know what I'm saying? No, 100%. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. I, I, I ask my that's getting it, my that's got it. I'm talking about money, endorsements. I'm talking about everything. Like, bro, how do I do this, bro? How do I do that, bro? How do I turn this? How do I get this? How do I get them to take me serious? How, 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 how? And... Every text message left on red, so I, like nobody would tell me what the right thing to do, right? Nobody would tell me what to do. Don't you got to find good people, and us three can be good people. You know what I'm saying, like, bro? It's not, that, that's I, like, not like, 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 no bro. disrespect to what y'all got going on. 
I've been trying to find good people for so long. I'm tired, bro. I, I would say I'm this. It's, it's, it's a 100%, bro. Like, it's like, so okay to be tired, like, though. I got... You know what I'm saying? You ain't got nothing left. You ain't got nothing left to give I'll people. tell you this, bro. I'll be it. Like, whatever you need, dog. Like, if you just want to talk, like, I, I for sure can't hoop with you. I'll go out there and pass that hole. Like, what we're saying is, bro, like... We want to be those people. Bringing you here wasn't about this. I wanted to talk basketball and hoops. But, dog, folks love you, dog. Nobody want to see you go through this. I think the thing is, man, like so many times as black men, we are asked because of talent to carry everybody. We are not made to carry everybody. Black women are asked to carry everybody. They are not made to carry everybody. Dog, it takes a fucking village, bro. And at some point, you got to have somebody who don't need shit from you, who don't want shit from you, who want to see you win, man. Like, we don't, we don't do this for us. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, mental health, how can you win the war inside? I'd like to introduce my co-host, just joining me now, Lisa Word. If you will, Queen, say hello to the truth seekers. Uh, give a quick background and we can keep this morning's discussion going. And I know you're driving, so for everybody out there listening, if you hear a little background noise, we're on the road trying to ensure, again, that I have a woman's perspective on every show, which is always why I'm asking to join. Uh, but give a little background as well because you, you, you're, you're well diverse in this discussion as well, if you will, Queen. And after you give your background, go into anything in that cut that stood out to you that you would like to speak about. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Montoya, for having me this morning. Um, You know, so I am a certified emotional intelligence practitioner and assessor where I actually administer psychometric B-level emotional intelligence assessments. I'm an executive coach and a diversity professional as well. A lot of my uh, background is in um, organizational psychology and trauma. So when I hear this particular cut, um, you know, it, it... Instantly, instantly in my head, all I heard was childhood trauma. I heard ACEs, which are adverse childhood experiences. Uh, When he mentioned about the, you know, all their stuff being outside, right, that to me spoke to this is where it started. And from that point on, you know, imagine when you are, you know, we're in Atlanta, right, and, um, you know, there's a lot of homeless population in Atlanta and a lot of other cities, but it's extremely significant in Atlanta. And you see these people out here every day that are homeless, and they're picking up more stuff and more stuff and more stuff, and they've got carts full of stuff, and they've got backpacks full of stuff, and you're like, how are you functioning with all that stuff? And when I heard this brother talking That's what it made me think of, is that from the time he was a child, that stuff piled on and piled on, and then he had a cart full of stuff that he was carrying with him, and then he became a basketball star, and then, you know, life care, uh, all the people that were, the expectations of the industry that he was in, and the expectations of the fans and his family to be everything, and all I saw was a small child, a small child that was carrying all of this baggage, and at some point, his knees buckled. And that's what I heard in this situation. We have got to provide safe 
spaces for people to unload the trash that will break us down, and we are not doing it. And we say, oh, it takes a village. We got to do this. We got to be here for each other. Listen, all you got to do is take one, look at one, one social media post, and one minute we're supporting each other, and it's support black people, women supporting women, brothers supporting brothers, and the next very second is that brother's crazy. He's this, he's that. The narrative that other people push about us does not have the same reasoning behind what we have. When I look at most recently a lot of stuff that happened with a particular celebrity, I had my opinions about some things he was saying, but everybody was like, he's crazy, he's stalking, he's this and that. Their reasoning about that was not our reasoning about that, and we have to understand the difference and know that you cannot continue to pile on, pile on, and then when somebody breaks, bag, all he had to do was say something. Bro, you didn't see the bag that was on their back? You didn't see that? So that's what I heard when I heard that cut, Montoya. I, I heard all of the years of unhealed trauma, of the baggage, of the expectation to just be and to never rest. That's my thought. Hey, strong thoughts coming to this thing. Um, before I go to Dr. G, we actually got a caller that want to jump in, so let me let the caller jump in. If you're out there listening uh, or have any questions of our experts, please give us a call at 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. And you have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. I'm Hey, how you doing, Ma? What you got, Queen? <laughs> um, just, um, King, I'm just uh, listening in, just not tuning in. I, I really had picked up. I didn't get to look at the chair, but I'm just tuning in. Okay, just tuning in. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, just, only press the one when you want to speak, Ma, just so you know. That's my mama listening oh, to y'all. I thought, she wanted, I thought she wanted to say something. It's all good. All right, Dr. G. Okay. Um, Lisa said a lot there coming out of that cut. Where you, where, where you want to jump in at, King? Yeah, what sticks out for me is... Um, it's, a little, it's a little tough to hear you, Dr. G, just to let you know. Um, I don't know if you're speaking into the phone. Oh, okay. Uh, that's a lot better, whatever you just did. Um, yeah, what, what really sticks out to me is when he says that I'm tired. You know, like you, you can hear that he is um, truly, truly feeling a deep sense of fatigue about life itself and his inability, his inability to turn things around, you know. And, you know, in my experience, that that's at the core. It, you, you come to a fork in the road when you experience that level of of your life energy and your life force. And, and that really sticks out to me, for him. Um, so, you know, he's at a space now where he can make profound breakthroughs because of his fatigue. Dr. G, can you, I don't know, can I have you speak it to the phone a little closer? It's still tough to hear you. Is this better? No, it's still real low. Like for a second, one second, when I first mentioned it, you sounded the best you sounded. I don't know um, if there's anything we could do about it, but I know if it's tough for me to hear you, our listeners are having trouble hearing you as well. Yeah. I don't know. 
All right, we'll just go ahead and we can hear you. It's just real hard to hear you. Just being honest. I don't know. What's, hold on one second. Let me. Um, all right, Dr. G, uh, give it another try. Hi, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, you sound good now. Go ahead, King. Sorry about that. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I was saying that the fatigue is what really sticks out for me. And um, and so for, for people who have gone through the war and been in the war or are in the war, um, it, it gets to a certain point where you can't fight anymore. You don't want to fight anymore. And this is at the core of, you know, every suicide is fatigue, just I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of battling, and that's where Michael Beasley is at right now. So that really, that really sticks out to me. No, it's very unfortunate, and this is the part I would like to kind of maybe jump on coming out of this next break. We are up against a break. Is sometimes not knowing. I mean, now in his situation, he said, "I asked for help," but there are plenty of people who are getting to that tired point, and don't want to burden people, if you will. Sometimes it's the case. And um, I mean, you've told me, if you don't mind, bringing some of this to the table, Dr. G, but even having your own experience and, like, talking people or walking people through how to walk out of getting to that space for anybody that's gotten, as you said, tired, which is a scary place, which made those guys change the entire show. Again, they were going to do a show about his career, and they decided to jump in and say, okay, we, we, we will have you. And so I definitely want to dig more into once you're tired, what does coming out of that look like if you could, you know, give us that process coming out of this break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Ephraim's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. BSA, Black Socrates Announcement. Please join us on the weekend of April 29th through 30th, 2022 for the Quilombo Family Fun Fest. This event has something for the entire family with classes in African dance, art, drumming, cooking, martial art, and many others. Colombo Academic and Cultural Institute hosts this series of virtual fun, games, and engaging classes in order to raise money for their students' tuition and competitive salaries for their teachers. Colombo Academic and Cultural Institute is an African-centered accredited Accredited school in Decatur, Georgia, Colombo's mission is to foster an academically excellent and culturally relevant education that produces students who are equipped to succeed globally and are committed to social justice. For more information or to become a sponsor of the Colombo Family Fun Fest, please visit them at colomboschool.com. That is colomboschool.com, K-I-L-O-M-B-O-school.com. And welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I'm your host, 
Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Elisa Word. This morning's discussion question, mental health, how can we win the war inside? Our special guest is Dr. G. Um, if you will, King, um, if you can just kind of jump in where I was saying there, you know, once you are tired, um, again, I know you've talked to me, you know, so, you know, in our dialogues about experiencing this point, if you will, how does someone walk out of it? Because a lot of times people will continue trying, but now it has become, in a sense, a psychological issue. It has become a mental health issue. So at that point, it's not as simple as willpower from what I understand, but I know you could speak to that even more so. So, yes, please, you know, how do, how do you walk out of that point that you've gotten tired of seeking help, gotten tired of being a burden? How do you walk out of that? Yeah, that's a very challenging question, man, and it's, and, and it's a very, very difficult situation. Um, you know, for myself, from working with someone that is at that point, I'm trying to overwhelm them with support and um, communication. Um, I'm really trying to let them know that I deeply and sincerely care about them. Um, let them know that there are people in their lives who care about them, who love them. I, I mean, so, you know, for someone who is in that position, um, you really want them to know that they're not alone because when you're in that space, you feel completely isolated and you're not able to think clearly. So, what's really essential is almost as if the person was in the water drowning is that you have to kind of take hold of that person and pull them up so that they can breathe. And, and so, you know, when I've worked with clients like that, I mean, I'm in communication with them daily. I might be in communication with them several times throughout the day, right? Um, where they can call me if they need me. Um, and so, really saving someone that is drowning. They're drowning in their own mental health um, mess that is going on. Right? Um, but there's also a spiritual aspect to this as well that for me is very clear. And because when you're in that space, it goes beyond mental health. You know, when, when, you, when you're talking about taking your life, you know, like that's, I mean, like there, there's a spiritual aspect to that. And, and so um, part of walking through some, walking someone through that is also for me, I don't know how other people deal with it, is also spiritual. Right? And so I know that my energy has no bounds, no limitations, I, I believe I, I believe in prayer and affirmation, and so you know I'm sending this person not only in the physical world but in the spiritual world energy. I'm summoning up ancestors, I calling on them for their support. So I look at it from a spiritual and a psychological and emotional perspective. But I'm trying to take this person's hand and literally save their life from drowning. Right. Uh, and so I I try to overwhelm them with support. No, yeah, I, yeah, and I've been able. I've unfortunately had to 
to help a few friends into these moments. And similar to what you said is the things I've done as well is, like I said, just overwhelmed with support, sincerely be there because any moment, sometimes, you know, like, and the thing is people, if they are aware that somebody's going through it to that extent is, you know, even watching those guys at that point, everybody's once they witness it is kind of willing to jump in. And unfortunately you have to be sincere about it because the moment you're kind of lackadaisical is all the moment that they need. Um, Elisa, if you will, Queen, again, as an emotional intelligence coach, I'm really trying to dig into the perspective of, of um, um, cause again, Dr. G saying what he's done as a therapist and me, you know, even being a friend of somebody going through to through that type of extreme. And I don't want to make every war inside be this extreme, but we had to highlight it because Michael Beasley cut kind of took us there, if you will. But um, what type of tools are you giving the actual person from the experience? Because, again, we have to support them to even get them to even continue to fight, if you will. But what type of tools might you give someone who's on that side of it, you know, to a degree, not even wanting to depend on you anymore or they're, or, or don't know what to do, if that makes sense? Um, go ahead, Queen. Let me bring you back live uh, one second. All right, Elisa, go ahead, Queen. You lie. Well, the thing of it is, so like in the work that I do, right, the one of the pillars, was the primary pillar of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. But to Dr. G's point, when you, you know, when you got, when that person's gotten to that point, to your point, that that they're no longer able to really kind of be that for themselves, right? The second pillar of this is other uh, others awareness awareness of others and where they are because it's not just about a lot of times we like to throw stuff at people and tell them what they're responsible for but if you care for somebody right in relationship it's about reciprocity so that other awareness and knowing that this person is really struggling knowing that this person is really going through and at that moment in time they don't have the ability to be able to reach into that other part of themselves to say, I need more than, than what I'm getting. So at that point, you have to say to yourself, you know, what is it that I can do? But it is about reaching in, like you said, about, you know, seeing that person and saving them and, and trying to help save them when they're drowning. But in the midst of that, what tools do you give them? You help them to see trust. You help them to see safety. You help them to see that there is consistency because a lot of times when people really go through like this and even hearing that clip, what I heard was that the people in his life, there was no consistency of being able to have somebody to be there. And then remembering this, help does not look the same for everyone. We look at help from our perspective of giving help, not necessarily the perspective of receiving help because see, receiving help for you might be something different than me. A few weeks back, I was surrounded by death, right? People people I knew had lots of people, you know, they were losing people left and right, and I'm the support person. Montoya, you happen to know that I was supporting people, right? But what you did was you reached out to me, and for me, that was help, right? Whereas with somebody else, that might have been an annoyance, but you knew me well enough to know that that's something that I would receive. So we have to not be ontologically arrogant and think our reality is the same as everyone else's and know that help can look different. But when a person's in, in a state of depression and they're going through, sometimes they don't even respond back to you. And they're getting pissed off talking about they funny acting. They don't even want to respond. I've been trying to reach out. I ain't worried about them. Listen, they hear every time that you text. They hear every time that you call. But it 
is sometimes too much for them to even get up and brush their teeth in the morning to come to or go to work. And all you have to do is have that other awareness of yourself and continue to be consistent and let them know that you are there. Let them know that no matter what happens, you still care because it is in that moment of feeling that full abandonment when people can be at their very worst. So sometimes it may seem a fruitless effort to continue to reach out and reach out to a person who's struggling, but it's not a fruitless effort. It is an opportunity so that when that person gets into a better state of mind, they now have this tool in knowing that no matter what, you are riding with them. So that's how we begin to start to build and stack on that set of tools and give them the opportunity to trust us enough to know that we are going to continue to be there for them. It is not an easy road. It is not for the faint at heart. But if you really care about people, then you dig your heels in and you do the work. No, I understand that. I'm, I'm really yeah, trying I, to push I, to. I, Go ahead, Dr. I agree. I, I agree with it 100%. Um, and, and let me add, so let me say this. I've been where Michael Beasley has been. I, you know my story, Montoya. I've spoken about it on your show. I've, I've been homeless recently, <laughs> right, in the past couple of years ago. I've been suicidal, right? So um, let me just share with the audience how I, how I dealt with that. And first of all, I have, I have my sister who was in constant contact with me during that time, right? So that's one, is that. I didn't want to check out of this world because of my sister. I didn't want to leave her on this planet alone, and I didn't want to leave my children on this planet, right? So I had people in my life that I knew that I wanted to be here for. But what I did and what I have also suggested consistently with my clients is that I got to the point where I validated and celebrated almost everything that I did. So just getting out of bed. I used that opportunity as a way to change my self-talk. Excellent, beautiful. I got out of bed today. I love it. I brushed my teeth, right? I would look in the mirror as I brushed my teeth, and I would celebrate and validate how I brushed my teeth. I would look at the bow when I tied my shoes and say, excellent bow. That's a beautiful bow. I love it. You're doing great today. So, Part of the process, and this is, this is what we would call neuroplasticity, is where you actually begin to change the wiring in your brain by changing the narrative and the conversation. All right? The other thing that, so, so, so if someone is in that space right now listening to this show, what I would encourage you to do is that everything that you cast you perform, even tying your shoes or brushing your teeth, you validate that. You look at yourself and say, excellent job, beautiful. I love the way I tied that bow, right? Because at the other end of the spectrum, you're denigrating, judging, and criticizing yourself for everything that you do. You're not good enough at anything that you do. You're not worthy, right? And so we have to actually change the conversation, the narrative, and rewire our brains and, and allow the chemistry the, chem- the neurochemical component from rewiring the brain, from me saying that, excellent, Jerry, you brushed your teeth today, beautiful, I love it. And then I actually feel the neurochemical component of me validating what I just did is one of the things that I recommend. The other is that um, I engaged in the practice of sending five, six, seven, eight texts to people. 
So just reaching out to you with positive energy, once you know I'm thinking about you, you know, I hope that all is well in your life. To give what you most receive. So then I will receive five, six, seven, eight, nine t- texts back saying, man, thank you for reaching out. I was just thinking about you. I hope that you're well, right? That made me feel that I wasn't as isolated, right? Now, I, I mean, like, I understand what I'm doing, right? But each time I got a text back, it gave me just a little bit more energy to get through my day, a wow. little bit more. And that's all you need. The other thing that I would suggest also, and, and people, you know, is, is, you know, like I have clients where I recommend adult coloring books to right? Where, because we know, like, like scientifically, like doodling allows you to kind of escape, right? We do, we've done that as children. We doodle in class mm-hmm. and all of that. But adult coloring books allows us to move from the, left hemisphere of the brain that deals with analytical, critical thinking, which we're immersed in that side of the brain when you're fatigued because your brain just doesn't stop analyzing and criticizing yourself, to the creative side of the brain, right, where we can begin more, we can be more present in the moment of time and be more creative and give that left hemisphere of the brain some rest to recharge itself, right? And so I'm a big component of adult coloring books so when you can become creative again, right, and just be present and forget about catastrophizing the future and then waiting yourself about the past. So those are some real tools that I, I suggest. Oh, um, love one. Give, give what no, you love We're at the top of the see. hour, so I'm going to go ahead and jump. I love those. Mm-hmm. I want to expand on them because, again, you're big into self-mastery. So even the things that you're applying now, at least as I've come to know you, Dr. G, is something that you also apply to someone, in a sense, who's having a, even a level of success, but they maybe reached a plateau or, they're, they're, in a sense, uh, wanting to, in a sense, maintain their performance. So, again, this can be used on the, the end of a Michael Beasley, if you will, all the way to high performance. And the reality is what we're talking about now is devoid of no one, uh, regardless of income, whether you're poor or rich, there are people who go through this to the point where they get to the point of not wanting to be here anymore. So, again, all this applies. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes. And I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit. And what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. Truth seekers, please understand. Mental Dialogue is much more than just a talk show. Each and every Saturday, we communicate with you 
for two reasons and two reasons alone, to dialogue and connect. On the dialogue side, we cater to you intellectual outcasts who feel you have no place for honest discourse on race, sex, culture, and African-American business. On the connect side, we've created a community where you can connect with experts, specifically in finance, whether personal or business, and mental health, whether it's trauma or to optimize performance, along with all the other skills sets from our other Mental Dialogue Community Club members. Our mission was to create a virtual nationwide neighborhood where African-Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services through social media, meetups, and this podcast. To become a neighbor of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, please visit us at mentaldialogue.com. We are better with you than we are without you. Hashtag raise the culture. This morning's discussion question, mental health, how can you win the war inside Special guest co-host, Elisa Word, as well as special guest, Dr. Gerald Hassel, a.k.a. Dr. G, as he was giving us some tools. And I wanted to highlight uh, the idea, if we could, to go a little more in depth into the the idea of celebrating ourselves. Um, You've broken that down to me extensively. It's something that you suggested that I work on for myself in the sense of being, in a sense, uh, a man that to a degree, has some concept from having learned it from others, the idea of a lot of black men, if you will, there's this idea of being stoic and kind of having to handle and, you know, have some level of responsibility uh, to your family, if you will. And so sometimes, and this is what you had said to me in one of our dialogues, that in trying to stay even keel, I, I, by not celebrating myself more, as you mentioned, celebrating the tying of your shoe when you're in a, in a sense, um, you know, in this very um, place of feeling isolated and alone. But myself, I'm not in that situation. I'm, you know, still kind of treading along. But, you know, there's certain levels of success that I would like to reach above and beyond maybe even what I've accomplished at this point. And you are highlighted the need to celebrate yourself brings more of that into your life. So always focusing on what wrong, you will, you will kind of see more of that. And you were just highlighting that the way the universe works was celebrating yourself brings that to you no matter where you're at. So even if you're at a lowly point or even have reached a level of success, you broke down, you can keep that happening and maintain even high performance by really understanding the concept of celebrating yourself. So if you could just dig into that a little more, and I would be interested in in hearing um, Elisa with her background in emotional intelligence, how, how she thinks that applies from her viewpoint as well. But go ahead, if you will, just dig a little deeper into that one for me, if you will, Dr. G. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we perpetuate what we celebrate, all right? So, so, and we perpetuate what we denigrate, all right? And so um, you can almost look at this from a perspective of um, our lack of celebration. You know, like we, we can go back historically in slave times, right? Like we were not allowed to emote and really show, you know, particularly black men, you know, it could be, it could be life-threatening to... to to celebrate or to um, come across as someone that was highly confident, competent, successful, right? So, but understanding neurochemical response in the body of celebration, right? You know, what chemical response, how does the brain react to it? Through celebration, we're able to actually change the chemistry in our body and we're able to rewire our brain. And so that's why... You know, I, I preach it and teach it to my clients, right? And we, we call this neuroplasticity. And, and so, um, yes, 
celebrate life, you know, celebrate yourself, you know, love yourself. We talk, you know, we talk about self-love, but how do we actually um, express it, right? And, and so this becomes the practice to celebrate who you are and to immerse yourself in the neurochemical response that you feel on a cellular level that promotes, promotes health rejuvenation. It's, it's anti-carcinogenic. It's antidepressant, right? The body has all of the chemicals to be in a healthy state, right? So, so to me, like when I was in my depressed state and suicidal, and the deepest part of, of that was when I became homicidal. Suicide is not the worst. It's when you become homicidal. You know, I thought somebody had done harm to my ch- children, and I, so I became, like, homicidal. And that became a demonic space for me to be in. And for me to get out of that, I had to immerse myself in validation and celebration to change the neurochemistry of my body and my brain. So if you allow me... You will hear my telephone go off five or six times a day, and that alarm has certain labels, and each label has a positive affirmation that you know I put in it. So you might see my phone go off, and the alarm goes off, and it says I'm incredible, beautiful, remarkable, and powerful. I've listened to that alarm go off now for seven years, and I know the time is going to go off, and I embrace and embody all of the messages. And so use your technology. Use the alarm on your phone to go off at certain times of the day to give you positive messages of affirmation. Journal. A lot of people are journaling incorrectly. Your journaling in your, in your journal has all of the bad stuff in it, right? And that's, that can be healthy to purge that. But at a certain point in time, you have to become mm-hmm. the director, the producer, and the star of your own show and begin to write the script of what you're living into how magnificent your life is going to be, right? So just even changing the text and the vocabulary that you're using Mm. to describe yourself in the present moment and the future can be radical, right? So I teach my clients, like, look, I want you to, that's good. You've purged the pain, you know, and you can continue to do that. But I also want you to balance the scale and tell me how marvelous and incredible you want your life to be, right? And we walk through that process. Right, because you're the producer, the director, the writer of the script, and we live into the story. I don't care who you are. You're living a story. So tell the story in a powerful way that gives you strength and power, right, because your body doesn't know the difference between reality and fantasy. So if I can write the story mm. to produce a neurochemical response in my body of celebration and tap into all of the chemistry, that's associated with that. It raises my mood. It raises my vibration. It gives me hope to get through another day. Right? This, this is why we read books that are classics. This is why we watch movies, right? Mm-hmm. Because we all live in that story. So, so some of the tools, those are some of the tools that, that, that we can use. Like you make voice recordings on your telephone. Use your voice recorder. Right? Say, I'm beautiful. I love myself, and listen to that throughout the day. Immerse, like total immersion, because when, when you're depressed and suicidal, you're totally immersed in that. 
So the opposite end of the spectrum is to be totally immersed in the medicine, the celebration, right. the validation, and create the neurochemical response that's at the opposite end of the spectrum. I love it. Take our people. I love it. Um, I never heard it till dealing with you, and that's and that and like me, um, not thinking of never necessarily saying myself as depressed, but just you know that mindset of um, I'm a realist. And so it's it, it's hard. It's hard, even listening to you, especially the first time I heard it, it was hard to receive because I'm like, well, that seems like I'm living in a fantasy. It's not. It's not real. Again, I'm not a depressed person, if you will, but I do want to uh, elevate and, you know, all of us want to see certain successes, especially in my business, if you will. And so that process, you was like, that's okay. Like, like you seeing yeah, yourself but, there, but, you but writing thing, it down. Here's the thing, Montoya. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You get to define what's real. <laughs> all right, if you're the director, the producer, and the star of the show, you get to define what's real. So, like, so like keeping it real is not what society or the world imposes on you. It's what you Not, I love define it. was real. I love it. And then you live into that story and it becomes real. Right, so this, this, is, this is the story of every successful person. You're absolutely like right. I saw it. I saw it first. Right. Everything, everything in this, in this world Everything that we are able to touch has existed in the mind first. Somebody saw it in the metaphysical, and it became reality. Right? And so this is this is what we this is what we do. That right? makes a lot of sense. Let me get Elisa in here, um, Elisa. Quick thoughts. Um, we're going to go to a break. So just give me your initial thought, and then coming out of the break, we'll let you, um, again, with your background, kind of dig in even more. Um, but obviously learning this from, from my working with Dr. G um, was a major turning point, and it's eye-opening, I think, for anybody that's trying to figure out, quote-unquote, the battle of the ego or the war inside, as we've labeled this conversation. So we've got about a minute and a half before we go to break. So just a quick initial thought, and then come out of the break. We'll get, get you go a little more in depth. Again, thank you, Queen, for being with us this morning. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I love everything that Dr. G said. And, you know, there's an there's a, a, a artist, music artist, uh, artist who paints. Um, you know, many of those people uh, struggle uh, throughout their entire lives. Creatives struggle with depression a lot, right? Um, and one of the ways that they, they manage that is through the art. Uh, there's a therapist that I use some of her work. Her name is Rita Lloyd, and um, she has a program called Nurturing Art for Unconditional um, Self-Love. And it's something that I've used with my clients to get them in that habit of creating uh, a habit of having those tools that Dr. G's point. Using that smartphone makes sense. A few years ago, I created a coloring book. Um, that that's out there, and mm. you know that coloring mm. seems juvenile to people at times, but that is such a way to be able to pour from your inside out with with, with depression and things like that. You know, it's been said at times that it, it's anger and shame and hurt turn inward, right? So we pour that out. To Dr. G's point, we put so much of that that negative component of it into a journal. But where's the light? So when you're able to do this creating of things, is when you're able to begin mm. to see the light. Using those tools, to his point, absolutely making sure that you put those reminders on your phone. Uh, look at Mary J's most recent song, Good Morning Gorgeous. She talked about that. I get up every single day, and I speak 
into my mirror, I tell me I love me, right? Because oftentimes you will never hear others even say that to you, but you have to say that to yourself, and it becomes a habit so you begin to believe these positive thoughts instead of just this negativity that continues to come at you all the time. And those triggers that come at us, when he talked about those hormones, you know, those nanohormones from the moment of stimuli, it takes six seconds for those things to circulate to every cell in your body, right, and create that feeling of emotion and then create all those triggers and scars that actually happen in our brain. And that neuroplasticity, yes, is the way to begin to repair that. But you've got to have, to his point, those tools and begin to use those tools regardless of if you're in a deep depression or if you're in a day-to-day and you're handling your business. It's no, a it makes continuous sense. nurturing of yourself. No, it makes sense. Let me jump to this break, and we'll kind of keep get digging into this thought um, even more, although the, there's going to be a cut if y'all both listen to that kind of takes us to what we're seeing nationally. Uh, Dr. G, in the first hour, highlighted how for us as African-Americans, even our education in a sense, pits us against ourselves from day one as African-Americans. But we also see things play out publicly in the media that can have an influence as well. So when you hear this cut, I want to hear y'all thoughts on this as well. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478 478- 781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. You say I'm broke, but I know that you're broken. You say I'm a has-been, but I know you never have been happy. This is, a, this is an incarnation of the same guy that we see all the time. But you know and I know that it is the empty wagon that makes all the noise. All of the threats, all of the complaints, all of the, 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 the curious things you do. Like, you, interestingly, you said, well, well, we'll probably end up being friends after I, I, I can explain your joke. Well, you can explain my jokes. How come you can't explain your behavior? You are acting in a way that I have said and say over again is dangerous. And every day it is teaching young boys and young girls that this is appropriate. Every day we hear a story about some dude that picked up a gun and shot some girl or hurt some girl or did something because they think it's appropriate. It is not. It is not okay. If, if you, if, as you say, we're going to be friends one day, you could never be my friend acting this way. It is inappropriate and it is dangerous and it's scary. And there are people, and if people really love you, all these people who say they'll kill for you, if they'll twi- peel a cap from you, how come they won't push one down, twist it up, and, oh, and get, get your medication out? They won't do that? You, you, you have managed to grow bigger than mostly any star ever has and smaller as a man at the same time. All of these, you're fighting, you're fighting Trevor Noah, you're fighting magazines. What you want is something you're not getting back. And if it's the God that you believe in, if that God you serve and always are talking about, maybe this is your trial. Even Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. Maybe this, Job had trials, but it's the way you handle it. 
You get to act stark, raving mad, and your cult pretends like it's okay, and it is not. You can de you can deride anybody you want. I tell you this. I tell you this. I'm a man who can say honestly that I'm the man now that the little boy I was always wanted to be. Can you? Can you say that? All of your money, all of your power, all of your fame. Does it say? Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Alisa Word, our special guest, Dr. G, for this morning's discussion question, mental health, how can you win the war inside? If you didn't know, there was a cut from D.L. Hughley talking about Kanye West. They've been had a back and forth um, Dr. G, but you being outside the country, I don't know if you know any. I would assume you don't haven't paid any attention to that. At least I don't know if you've had time um, to catch any of that back and forth. But you're just kind of hearing DL point out his perspective. And for you know, for those of you who are first time listening to the show, let me highlight: um, we just like to have dialogues from the standpoint of present the opinion and let's discuss it. So we're not siding one way or the other. But I'm playing the cut um, just to dig into. Um, a couple of things that stood out to me more so than about Kanye himself, but he DL talks about other people seeing the example as we, to a degree, as a public, we watch Kanye by choice publicly live out his divorce on social media, if you will. So we're privy to a lot of his actions and a lot of things that he's done and, and DL's, you know, taken um, a bag by it. And partly because again, they've had, um, they've directly went at each other, if you will. And for more context for those who don't know any of the story, um, it got so bad that Kanye um, actually put out his address to, to the point of saying he'll get his goons to go hurt D.L. Hughley, just to put a little more context if you don't know anything about their back and forth. Again, not to get into those details, but if you will, Elisa, um, again, maybe you've seen some of this, but I'm real concerned about, as D.L. says, publicly we're, you know, for those that will stand by some of the actions and not point out what's possibly dangerous about it. Like there's some empathy for him in a sense, warning him his children, but watching it play out public for how he's going about it. Some people may get the idea that that's, that's the way you can do it. Your thoughts, Queen. I'm sorry. Let me bring you back live for one second. I know you're driving, so I've been kind of muting you in and out. All right, Queen, go ahead. So I have been actually uh, following this particular situation, and, um, you know, both sides of the coin are, are, are disturbing. And as much as much of what DL has said I agree with, um, there, there was an, uh, an opportunity he took also to make some hot shots that weren't actually helping the situation. So on one end of it, he really is speaking well of some of the things that need to be done and need to be addressed. Um, but on the other end, I think that his ego kind of also got a little bit in there. Um, and so, so that kind of makes it a little bit tough. And that can happen when we have people who are uh, in this space and they do things like that, is that we might recognize they have a behavioral health issue, but that other part of us is like, well, you can act okay in this realm, but you can't act okay in that realm. And then I'm, I'm kind of a little mad, but I know you got a little problem. Uh, and, and the situation with Kanye is it, it, so correct because, um, there are many people who are already in a state of being um, what I'll call disturbed. And, and by hearing things like that, those voices that are already telling them that this is unfair, this is not right, this is I'm going to be alone, you know, this person is, is, is really trying to, to hurt me on purpose, those things like that, those behaviors like that actually undergird that and say to them, 
you know, it, it helps to escalate some of that sort of stuff. Now, is Kanye responsible for everyone else's mental health? Absolutely not. He's only responsible for his own. However, as a celebrity, there unfortunately are certain things that come with that, and a lot of that is a, a responsibility to um, be of good character in, in the public eye. He definitely needs help. He needs support. He needs to get what he's got to get in order for him to not only be a better person, um, but to be a better father, to be a better human, to be a better celebrity, and to also deal with the war that's within, right? Because if you think about it, in order for somebody to act like that, whether they're celebrity status or otherwise, that is a personal hell that you are going through in your head. And, and to Dr. G's point, I'm on the level of not only just from a therapeutic therapeutic perspective, but from a spiritual perspective. I want to know where his soul is or is not being fed. I know he's got that Sunday service. A lot of people who deal with these demons of the mind also really try very hard to gravitate to a religious space, but is there a feeding of that, right? And then there also comes a balance between, yes, we can look at things from a spiritual perspective, but we also have to recognize the chemical imbalances that happen in the brain. So it certainly can, in many cases, you know, give people an idea that it's okay to be that way. But to my point that I made earlier is remembering when people are criticizing anybody in the public eye of this measure, Remember that not everybody's motive for that criticism is the same. So I think that's an area that we also have to remember when it comes to that. Yeah, I would say remembering it for ourselves because I don't want to highlight, you know, because, again, I'm highlighting, again, um, not to particularly talk about Kanye. Um, it's kind of just to a degree, uh, you know, showing, unfortunately, if you will, unfortunately showing that uh, that celebrities, if you will, are not devoid of this war inside, if you want to, in a sense, relate it to this, you know, this morning's discussion, you know, however, to the bigger point, and again, uh, like I do agree with Lisa, that they, and again, they were having individual back and forth, so absolutely ego is going to, you know, come into play, but again, to avoid getting into the details of their back and forth, uh, the, the question I would like to have Dr. G address is, um, unfortunately, in my opinion, when you see it play out on the celebrity level, there are some who who, 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 in a sense, will advocate or agree based on their own hurt and pain with things that could be, in a sense, potentially dangerous that could eventually lead to dangerous action. Like you talked about it, Dr. G, that going to a point of, you know, even thinking homicide, if you will, because of your thoughts. And so um, I've seen things go further than what we've seen happen in Kanye's example, right? And people actually go, yeah, that's right, because there, in my opinion, war inside has affirmed things that are, could be very harmful um, to themselves or even to others because they've never come into consciousness that their ego isn't, you know, in a sense, the voice they've been listening to all their lives hasn't been the one they should have been listening to because it's your ego, you know, to go back to an old example in the 90s, that would make you say, I'm going to harm this dude for stepping on my shoe, or I'm going to harm this dude because he stole my jacket. And, and the harm is more than just, you know, reporting that they stole my jacket. There's ego that makes people do that. So we can kind of dig into that because you can't be happy with yourself if that's your response to a, to, to something that's a, a lesser um, infraction against you, if you will. Go ahead, um, King. 
Yeah, I mean, I would, I, I would think that what I hear you saying is that the reaction is disproportionate to the cause, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, there's probably a much larger, much bigger issues that are going on, you know, when someone reacts that way. Um, you know, we might be seeing the tip of the iceberg, but there's so much beneath and below it that is is compelling that person and motivating that person to, to that type of action. Um, so, but for those who are maybe listening to this show, right, um, what I would suggest is that um, you unplug from all of that. If you are in a war, in a battle within, then there's a whole different continent. There's a whole different energy and vibration that you need to plug into and be immersed in. To me, that, that whole media thing with, with, with Kanye and DL is, is parasitic. It's the blueprint for depleting your energy. It's the blueprint for keeping you plugged into the matrix and conversation that really doesn't take you anywhere. It's not fruitful. Right, so mm-hmm. I would suggest to the listeners is to unplug from that, right? Nice. And if you're going to be using your time, your energy, immerse yourself into something that's going to raise your vibration, raise your energy, give you new information, new tools to help you win the battle in the war. And listening and plugging into that, which um, um, you know we rightfully you know recognize, it's a battle of the egos, right? Two men battling the egos, right? I mean, you know, so so like. Unplug from that. Right. There's so much. There's so much on YouTube. They're, they're, your your shows that give actual tools and information, right, to plug into. And so, I'll say to just unplug from that. You know, no, I love it. It's perfect. It's I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish. I'm sorry. I didn't it's know. It's, it's no, I love it. Right? Now we're yeah we're constantly telling people to unplug. I mean, especially. Um, anything that a violence to ourselves, like it's so, uh, you know, just it's just a perfect time for me to highlight this. We're going to go to a break, and we got Dr. Laura back as well, so glad to have her back. Um, but just to even highlight the idea of unplugging, like how far it should go. Um, one of the biggest areas, and we've done shows about this, the psychology of even when things lead to violence, specifically against African Americans, like while it is natural to watch these things as they spread across social media, uh, it, it, it is very necessary to not even watch or see those things especially if it's not something that you can actively do something about so it so it only can serve to harm your psychology because you become the feeling helpless when you see these examples and it reaffirms that this dangerous thing could or might happen to you Um, that's a reality whether you see it again for the rest of your life so not seeing it sets you up to basically continue down the path of what you're shooting for while those things take you back. So I agree. Unplug completely. Uh, We're going to another break, and we'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales. His no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. 
for a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Here are the good times, Jake. We're a team. The best pals, Jake. You want to get rid of me? You know life without me? You don't know life without me. Do you know life without me? No, because it doesn't exist. They talk about me, Jake. No, because I don't exist. Protect Tell all your friends you. about me then, Jake. I protect you, I protect you, and I control you. I say do, you obey. If I say you're scared, you We listen to the other side, you, Jake. Listening to people that want to hurt you, Jake. New people. No! Not old friends like me. People you shouldn't trust. But me, I've been your friend forever. Since the beginning. Get rid of them, Jake. Forever. They're the enemy, not me. They're new! I'm old! I say they go! I say you do! Don't You're weak without me. Weak. It's us against them, Jake. It's us against them. I'm coming to get you. You want to get rid of me, Jake? You want to make an enemy out of me? You want to get rid of me, do ya? Do ya? You wanna get me? Me, me, me. Boom. Ah. <laughs> Still here, Jake. How long have I looked after you? You can't win this one without me. Oh, no, no, no. You know why? The greatest con that he ever pulled was making you believe that he is you. You ain't me. I am you! You're not me. Come on! Your best fucking friend! I am you! Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special co-host, Elisa Word. This morning's discussion question, mental health, how can you win the war inside? We're fortunate enough to have Dr. the amazing Dr. Laura Beck, as well as Dr. G, who's been holding me down for the beginning of the show. So if you will, I'm going to jump Dr. Laura right back into this thing and see if we can get help her do better on her pop quiz this time. I'm pulling her right into coming out to another cut from the amazing movie, Revolver. Highly recommended. Not a movie a lot of people have seen, but if you will, Dr. Laura, you're literally hearing a movie version of an ego battle of someone determining I'm not going to let my ego control me any longer. And so if you will, jumping right back into this thing, Queen, just start there because, again, I think that helps us address how people win the war inside, if you will. Go ahead, Queen. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, again, a very interesting clip. I guess makes me think about 
um, the difference between what we might consider like a a healthy ego, like a sense of self, a sense of um, you kind of just understanding yourself as a as as a distinct individual um, and being able to have some self knowledge and self awareness around that, and then the ego that we often talk about wanting to kind of tamp down, which is the usually like the wounded ego where um, there's some insecurity and it takes over. Like we were talking about earlier, it takes over and then you start using these strategies to try and um, regain a sense of power or a sense of importance. And that can really become the dominant force in your life, driving you to make everything about me, 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 and make everything about trying to get back to this place of wholeness where you feel like you're going to be recognized, where you feel like you're going to be able to make stuff happen. Um, but that can really, you know, take a, a dark turn, especially if the strategies that you're using to get there aren't really effective. So I don't know. That's That's what that clip brought up for me this time. No, I could dig it. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't we say? Um, am I would I be incorrect in saying that that voice that we think is us that we hear every day, um, ego in a sense creates shame or embarrassment, and you're very unaware of. You didn't have to experience that over the fact that you trip and fell in front of everybody, um, and, and if you buy into that, then your reaction to someone else due to that ego you also justify an, uh, uh, that action to retaliate, if you will. But all of those actions are driven by you believing you should be embarrassed when it actually might have just simply been funny. Um, just a, just a, a quick thought on that. I want to hear Alisa and then Dr. G. For the callers out there, all you have to do is press 1. I'm sorry I haven't been saying it that much. You do have to press 1 if you want to get in on this morning's discussion. And for our people online, the number is 646 Seven eight seven one six nine one. I've been doing a terrible job of opening up the phone line. So, uh, but a quick thought on that, um, um, Doctor Lord, just the idea of moving past it and not believing that initial uh, wounded ego is, I think, is what you referred to, and realizing that it's not your actual self. Yeah, I think you know. Yeah, I'm here. Um, yeah, I think that that's. Uh, really the key is not getting caught up in that wounded ego, not over-identifying with it, but also, again, recognizing that it doesn't come from nowhere. You know, we are all, we all start out with a sense of wholeness, and then there's different things in our environment. And, you know, Dr. Amos Wilson talks about this in a really eloquent way, I think, just in terms of, like, the different ways that we're socialized to believe um, that we need to be perfect, that there is shame in messing up, that we're not allowed to not know something or not be a certain way. And so that's where the wound happens. And okay. if we accept that and if everything in our environment accepts that, that's how you get caught up in that. But I think, you know, once we are aware of it, we can move towards recon- rectifying that. No, it makes sense. Uh, Lisa, I'm going to give you one last thought. I know you're on the road and let you get out of here so you can get to your destination, but thank you for holding me down, if you will, Queen. Uh, but, yeah, anything about what we just said, again, uh, if you're just now tuning in, Lisa is my co-host, is an emotional intelligence coach, so if you will, give us a closing thought, and then we'll let you get on the road, Queen. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I love exactly what she what she just said, what she alluded to. And the thing of it is, is that I go off the mat too. How are we instilling the concept of resilience in our children and in ourselves, right? Because resilience is where when that thing happens, you can bounce back from it and, and laugh of it or laugh at it or learn from it, whereas the lack of ability to be able to utilize that coping skill to its um, to its optimal self is, is to then feel that shame. And I think, and, and uh, this, you know, go even with the uh, ego, you know, this, this ego identity, it all goes back to, you know, childhood. And, you know, and, and, and to her point about, you know, we start this thing out, you know, in wholeness, and then, you know, as parents, not beating yourself up for the things that you did, but reflecting and having those conversations and saying, you know, this was something that was lacking in my generation of parents that that didn't get passed to me, and being willing to say, I need to learn something new, learn something different, so that I can begin to break the cycles of this this brokenness and this ability to, to not feel whole from the beginning, because when life comes at you, if you're already in that broken then the, the, the things of life will shatter you. But if you come into this with a sense of resilience and a sense of wholeness from the beginning, you have an opportunity to begin to work through some of these things a, a lot easier out in life. And um, so it is a process. And, you know, all I say to people out there, wherever you are in it today, just do your best. And if you don't know anything else, know that you are in this world with almost 8 billion people on purpose because there is value in whoever you are. And that's what I have to say for today. Hey, thank you, Queen, for holding me down. Um, be safe on your trip. Good luck with your speaking engagement tomorrow. Um, but, again, I love my queens of intellect. They always hold me down. They're thorough. And um, appreciate you so much, Queen. Thanks. Take care, everybody. All right, Dr. G, I want to go back into the cut with you, if you will, um, because here's the true thing about that voice we hear in our head every day that most people do think is who they actually are because they've been hearing that voice their entire lives. And obviously in that movie, it's kind of exaggerated. Again, I'd highly recommend the movie Revolver. But within that concept, um, there was a point, if you recall, where you heard the gunshot in silence. And then after a little while, the ego kind of was like, ha, I'm still here. And so I'm mm-hmm. highlighting that mm-hmm. because I would love for you to dialogue about even the, when you began the journey to, in a sense, remove that wounded ego, as Dr. Laura referred to it as, or not let it be the dominant aspect of yourself to understand that your ego will fight hard to retain its control, if you could speak about that, um, if you will, King. Yeah, um, so – so the ego, its sole purpose is to live and stay alive, just like all other organisms, and it depletes us of our energy to do that. So it will um, kick us when we're up and kick us when we're down, right? So whatever it can do to extract energy uh, is what it would do, right? So one of the most telling demonstrations and evidence of an out-of-control ego was Donald Trump. He was an egomaniac, right? On, that's on the one end of the spectrum, right, where he was, you know, responsible for all of the good that's in the world, you know, from his perspective, right? You know, he's going to cure everything, right? That's egomaniac. Then the other end of the spectrum is, you know, where you know, those who are battling every day just to stay alive, you know, to have a sense of purpose in their life and meaning in their lives, right? Um, 
So the ego is going to extract energy, and it's going to do it by any means necessary. That's that's what its purpose is. All right. So um, the mission then becomes to make the ego the servant and not the master. All right. And, and so I'm just going to share with you what I've done to turn that around for me, right, if, if it's okay. Yeah, so, absolutely. Please do. That's what people need to hear. Yeah, how to beat so, this. How so, to beat this. Right. One, you know, part of my daily practice is that I visualize every day. Inside of my mind, I have a picture of myself when I was probably about three or four years old. And this is when we're kind of uncorrupted, right? I mean, like, we're really our true, pure, authentic self for the most part. Most of us are, right? And so what I've done and what I now teach my clients to do is to visualize that inner child who's compassionate, kind, considerate, loving, forgiving, to visualize that inner child climbing on the throne inside of your mind and allowing the voice of that inner child to speak to you because that voice is going to be spoken from a perspective and a position of compassion and self-love. The ego is going to be at the total opposite end of the spectrum. And so in that practice and visualization, I am placing the ego who has been on the throne most of my life now with that compassionate, loving, forgiving, uncorrupted version in a child of myself. And when I fall down, the conversation becomes one of compassion and understanding and kindness rather than judgment and criticism. And so this is something that we have to get off the battlefield and onto the practice field. Right? And, you know, I've talked to, talked to you about that, Montoya, right? Right. It's to understand that making the transition to the practice field, then everything becomes practice. Everything. When you fall down, it becomes a practice of laughing at yourself, of being compassionate. Right? Everything becomes practice now. So, 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 so this, this is, this is, I think, you know, one way of getting control of the ego, right? Because self mastery is discipline, disciplining the mind and body for the purpose of spiritual growth and purpose and service to others, right? So we have to and, discipline the mind. We have to. Mm, let me do this real quick, um, Dr. G. I'm sorry, I'm up against my last break, mm-hmm. so let me kind of let mm-hmm. you continue that this part of the thought um, out of this last break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Are you intimidated by money? Well, this is a question most people never think to ask themselves. But when forced to think about it, many people realize they have unrecognized fears that truly affect how they deal with money. If you want to learn more about money and the fears that keep you from prosperity, join us for Making Money Matter Mondays, where money meets mental health with personal finance coach, Ashley Thomas, and psychotherapist, Dr. Katrina Pitt. Every second Monday of the month, find out if you're intimidated by money and what to do about it. To receive a link to this free Zoom event, please DM the Making Money Matter or the Mental Dialogue Instagram pages or contact 404-604-9477. BSA, Black Socrates Announcements, 
Please join us on the weekend of April 29th to 30th, 2022, for the Kilambo Family Fun Fest. This event has something for the entire family with classes in African dance, art, drumming, cooking, martial arts, and many others. Colombo Academic and Cultural Institute hosts this series of virtual fun, games, and engaging classes in order to raise money for their students' tuition and competitive salaries for their t- teachers. Colombo Academic and Cultural Institute is an African-centered accredited school in Decatur, Georgia. Colombo's mission is to foster an academically excellent and culturally relevant education that produces students who are equipped to succeed globally and are committed to social justice. For more information or to become a sponsor of the Colombo Family Fun Fest, please visit them at colomboschool.com. Again, that is colomboschool.com, K-I-L-O-M-B-O, school.com. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, special guest Dr. Laura Turner-Elsa, as well as Dr. Gerald Hassel, author of Impact of Father Absence on African-American Boys, this morning's discussion question, mental health, how can you win the war inside? I did want to play one last cut. This was very short. And get both of your closing thoughts. I'll let Dr. G finish up what he was discussing right before the break. Um, but I definitely will thank you all so much for being on this morning. Let me play this very last short cut, and uh, we'll close this thing out. I'm sorry I didn't get the number out to the callers to get in more. For the callers that's out there, if you're just listening, no problem. You still can get quickly in maybe one call on this last segment if somebody wants to, but you do have to press one to let us know you want to speak. Adigo is the worst confidence trickster we could ever figure, we could ever imagine, because you don't see it. And the single biggest con is I am you. The problem is that the ego hides in the last place that you'd ever look within itself. It disguises its thoughts as your thoughts, its feelings as your feelings. You think it's you. People's need to protect their own egos knows no bounds. They will lie, cheat, steal, kill, do whatever it takes to maintain what we call ego boundaries. People have no clue that they're in prison. They don't know that there is an ego. They don't know the distinction. At first it's difficult for the mind to accept that there's some something beyond itself, that there's something uh, of, of greater value and greater capacity for discerning truth than itself. In religion, the ego manifests as the devil. And of course, no one realizes how smart the ego is because it created the devil so you could blame someone else. In creating uh, this imaginary external enemy, we usually usually made a, a real enemy for ourselves, and that becomes a real danger to the ego, but that's also the ego's creation. There is no such thing as an external enemy, no matter what that voice in your head is telling you. All perception of an enemy is a projection of the ego as the enemy. In that sense, you could say that 100% of our external enemies are of our own creation. Your greatest enemy is your own inner perception is your own ignorance, is your own ego. Dr. G, if you wanted to finish your thoughts and address that, or any closing thoughts as well, but again, just appreciate you so much for, I, I consider, an excellent discussion as we dig into the psychology of, of the war inside. You and Dr. Laura both asked that question, who is that enemy? And that is a version of who that enemy might be for some of us as we figure this thing out. But go ahead, King. Yeah. Um, have you ever asked the question, 
why does the ego exist? Because one of the things, the last thing the ego wants to do is to be exposed. Once it's exposed, then you can begin to deconstruct it and reconstruct your true inner self, right? So I asked this question to myself, like, why does the ego exist? And the answer for me was profound once I began to look into it, right? So I think it's... Ask yourself that question. Did Lucy, the first human being that walked on the earth, right, did she have an ego? And if she had an ego, what purpose did it serve? Right? I mean, we maybe can have a show, a total show about this at some point in time. Did our ancestors who walked the earth a million years ago have egos? Right? And, and the answer to that is profound. Right? And so, but really, um, so for the listeners, what you want to do is to expose it. Expose its insidious nature. Because the ego doesn't speak to the evidence. It speaks to the illusion and the delusion, right? So when you look at the evidence in your life, and this is what I point people to, when you look at the evidence in your life, for most of us, the evidence supports that we're a good person, that we're intelligent, that we're resourceful, right, that we're compassionate, right? The evidence really supports that. But the ego creates an illusion in an interpretation that um, extracts energy and puts us in this internal battle with ourselves where we're never good enough, we're never enough, we're always reaching beyond because we're not good enough. Right? And so expose the ego for what it is. Look at the evidence in your life and ask yourself, does that evidence support what the ego is telling you, and I'm telling you, 99.9% of it, 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 it doesn't. It doesn't support, right? So, so, so that's what I would say. The other thing that I would suggest to the listeners is that, yes, you know, if you really want to win this battle, you have to unplug from those things that feed the ego. Most of which is on television feeds the ego. It's dealing with anger, hostility, you know, death, destruction. You know, the news does the same thing. You have to unplug from that. Uh, and plug into those things that raise your vibration, raise your, your energy, that, that, that creates um, resonance instead of dissonance. Right? So use your sleep time. Even while you're sleeping, when I was working my way out of the darkness, I plugged into things while I was sleeping to program my subconscious mind to begin to think and feel the way that I wanted to feel so that when I woke up into the conscious state of the day when the sun rose, I was being reprogrammed with a different vocabulary, being able to articulate a different narrative, right? So use your sleep time. A lot of, a lot of us are not using that sleep time, you know, um, Listen to things that, 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 that raise your vibration while you're asleep and, and, and take you into a different state of subconsciousness rather than, um, you know, this whole destructive state of subconscious um, being. Right? So you know, those are some of the things that I suggest. No, nah, nah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, if you will, we'll, before we go to Dr. Laura, let people know how they can get in contact with you for any of your service. Um, again, we have several members that are using you and loving you. Um, Dr. G, uh, Dr. G helps us out with our community checkup, which is a once a month mental health Zoom, where if you're trying to familiarize yourself or just wondering, do you need to maybe look into, um, you know, mental health services? So if you will, uh, we do that event where we talk mental health issues is not getting mental health, um, but it is a bridge to that. So if you will, Dr. Uh, G, tell them how they can get in contact with you and get your book as well. 
Yeah, best way to get in contact with me is uh, through email. And so I don't know if you can share that, but my email is dr, and then my first name, G-E-R-A-L-D, and my last name, H-A-S-S-E-L-L at Gmail. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L at Gmail. And so because I'm out of the country, you can, you can, you can get my book on Amazon, The Impact of Father Absence on African-American Boys. You can pull it up on Amazon and, and order it from there. Um, and in social media, I'm uh, on Instagram, D-R-G-H-A-S-S-E-L-L. Um, you can reach out to me on, on that as well. I highly recommend that you follow Dr. G. He just constantly gives us gems. And, and even though he's out of the country, if you will, um, you know, now with the pandemic, people are getting mental health via Zoom. So he's helping a lot of, you know, several of our members who love him to death. Uh, Dr. Laura, if you will, Queen, your kind of final thoughts. Uh, I didn't bring up, I meant to bring up this word imposter syndrome, if you will. That's something that I quite often hear in reference to people that are, in a sense, they're achieving pretty high in their life but they're still faced with imposter syndrome as far as taking the next step. I don't know if you've ever had to deal with that, but I think it just needs to at least be brought up, if you could, in your closing comments in reference to today's discussion question. Mental health, how can you win the war inside? And the same as Dr. G, once you give your final thoughts, let them know how they can stay in contact with you as well. But thank you for being on this morning. Yeah, certainly. And, um, you know, I appreciate that Dr. G just mentioned uh, the, like, kind of unplugging from things that are not serving us. I know that uh, detox from media and social media and pop culture is definitely on my list of uh, self, self-care, self-love practices. Um, and something that I recommend to folks that I work with. But, yeah, um, imposter syndrome is definitely something that I struggle struggled with, especially earlier in my career when I was a lot younger than the people that I was even teaching sometimes um, and working at, you know, a lot of different institutions in academia, some that consider themselves elite institutions. It's something that um, as a black woman I face. But again, I am, um, I don't subscribe to this idea that we are our own greatest enemies. I think that there are definitely forces out there that um, especially as black people that are are greater enemies to us that are seeking to to denigrate and destroy us um, and to punish us. And I think it doesn't serve us to kind of join that, you know, club of of using these harsh methods to try and get ourselves together. Um, So with imposter syndrome, just like with any other struggles that we might face mental health-wise, I think it's important to um, have these practices that we build into our days and our weeks and our months and our lives uh, where we are, yes, constantly affirming ourselves, constantly reminding ourselves of our worth, but then also um, to the to the conversation about ego, kind of getting out of the, the um, mindset, mindset that we have to be everything. Uh, We are embedded in families, in communities, um, and we kind of are connected to other people. That village of people that we have around us is really important in terms of um, keeping us grounded and helping us remember that we have a bigger purpose. It's not all about constantly trying to prove, um, you know, that we 
belong here or that we are um, valuable. I think that we have to have people around us. A therapist is great. You know, people um, I think now can access mental health services easier than ever before, and it's always appropriate speaking to that, seek professional speaking of that, how do they how, how do they access you? Because we've got about 30 seconds, man. Queen, sorry. Okay. Um, they can find me at blackpeoplethrive.com or um, also if they check out the Black and Brainy podcast, I host that uh, with my friend and colleague, Dr. Miriam McCabe. We talk about psychology topics, but, um, you know, they can reach me through that website. But, yeah, I'm just saying that they can reach out no, we are, to we are, we are, mental health professionals. We're closing out, Queen. We're closing out, Queen. We're closing out. Okay. Right, yeah, just yeah, remember yeah. To, to build your village. Build your village. Yeah. Yep. All I ask is that you think. See y'all next Saturday. Thank you.